So we're doing a mini-series. I don't know quite how long it's going to take us to get through because I've got a lot of notes and not a whole lot of time. So I even imagine today I'm not even going to get through all what we're going to talk about eventually. But um, we're going to be doing a series on how to study the Bible. And before we jump into that, I kind of I, I want to pray again. Um, I, I'm a lot like probably a lot of you. I don't spend a whole lot of time watching the news, but this week I, I spent quite a bit watching, um, seeing what's going on with uh, Russia and the Ukraine. And the Ukraine is a, a special nation, I think, because there are a lot of believers and a lot of churches in that country. Uh, they've had freedom of faith for quite a while that Russia has not. They export more missionaries than I think the U.S. does even to the Europe. So there are a lot of believers in the Ukraine that go elsewhere to share the gospel. And uh, if you've seen some of the things that, that are happening there and, and the attack that they're under uh, right now, it's a scary thing. It's, it's frightening for me to, to sit there and watch it, and uh, I can't imagine what it's like to have a family or to, to live there yourself. And uh, we need to lift them up in prayer. We need to lift their counsel up in prayer. We need to pray for the leadership of the United States and the other nations that God would uh, speak to them and give them wisdom in how to handle this because it's a tricky situation. It, it really is. I mean, you got nuclear arms on, on both sides of this, and no one really hopefully wants to go into that. So uh, we don't know what's going to happen with that, but we know that God does and that God is big enough to handle this. This doesn't surprise God. And while it may surprise us and cause some unrest for us, um, we realize that we're called. Here's what we're called to do. We're called to stand with those in faith. We're called to stand with those who are standing with Christ. And we're called to, to share uh, faith with them and hope that God is, is with them. And, you know, maybe as time goes on, we're going to see some ways that we can physically participate, maybe through financial donations and, and helping uh, some of the people that are being exiled out of their homes. I mean, they're having to leave their homes and everything and just walking across borders with backpacks. So um, a horrendous, horrendous thing. And uh, I think we as believers should pray. We should pray that God would handle this situation because we see over and over in Scripture that God intervenes when, when his people pray. So let's, let's open in prayer right now. Uh, God, we are incredibly privileged, incredibly privileged to, to be here together, to have the security that we have around our borders, to have uh, the protection that we've been given by our our government, by our military, and uh, by the people who serve there. Lord, we, we pray for the families in the Ukraine. We pray for the citizens there who are, who are standing up against this oppression and this attack that is coming in on their borders. We pray that you would give them strength, that you would give them wisdom, that you would give them divine intervention. Uh, Lord, we know it, it seems like they're outmatched, but, but Lord, we know there are a lot of believers there, and, and we are asking for the protection over your church. We realize that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ, 
We realize that a lot of the Russians themselves do not want this to be happening. So we pray that you would strengthen their resolve, that they would be able to make a difference even within their country and their nation. Lord, I pray for the outcome that you want from this. I pray that your church would be stronger because of it, that we would hear stories of faith and resiliency in Jesus Christ, and that we would see your hand at work even in these difficult times. Help us not to take for granted what you've given us, the freedoms that you've given us, your word that you've given us, and the protection that you've given us. Help us not to take it for granted, because, Lord, we know it may not last forever, but we know that your word will hold forever. We know that our faith in you is not just for now, but it's for all of eternity. In Christ's name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Continue to pray. Continue to pray. All right, so we are uh, jumping into a, a short mini-series on how to study the Bible. And, and this, for some of you, is going to be review. For some of you, this is going to be brand new. And I do not normally do this because it's embarrassing, because I am not the greatest speller in the world. I do not have the greatest punctuation. I uh, <laughs> Thank you, honey. I, I commonly uh, just don't think about that stuff. I think in thoughts, not in that type of thing. But I do uh, have about 20, and maybe if, if you guys raise your hands, I might have to have one of you run out that knows how to use the copier and print off more of these if there are more of you that want these. But this is such a detailed thing. I know you have your uh, pads in front of you. You have those notebooks that that Miss Kim gave you so lovingly, um, and there's pens there. You can take notes there, because I do want you to take notes on this, but maybe you're like me, and you don't write that quick, or you're left-handed, and you cramp. Um, and you need something a little bit more thorough. I am handing you my sermon notes today, all right? So I've got 20 of them printed off. If I can have somebody who's willing to hand these out... Um, and then if we run out of them, I might need somebody to run back there and make copies. If you want one of these, raise your hand. You can take notations and notes on the side of it, and uh, this will help you along because there is a lot of information. I'm going to try to go slow enough that you understand it, so I probably won't get through all of this today. Um, but I do want us to... Uh, kind of have a working knowledge of how to study the Bible. How many of you have been told to read the Bible before? Hey, you should read the Bible. You're going through a problem. Go to the Bible. Read the Bible. And you're like, where? Because <laughs> this is big, right? And some of you all, the, the Bible that you have at home is maybe the only Bible you have. And you have that. How many of you grew up with that family Bible that was about 25 pounds? And it had the real-life pictures of Jesus. Like, how'd they get those? Um, and, and there's, like, all the notes in it and everything else. And then you open it up, and it says, Thou sayest unto them that they may go up unto the hills of thou's. And you're like, what? I grew up, who, how many of you grew up reading King James? I grew up reading King James. And there's a lot of language in there that we don't, I don't necessarily speak that way. If you sound, found somebody who spoke King James, that'd be interesting. There's nothing wrong with King James. I love reading King James and Psalms. That's beautiful. Uh, but sometimes it's difficult to understand. And, and the same thing when we're telling people, hey, read your Bible, that it's hard for them to understand, okay, why should I read my Bible? Or why should I even have a Bible to read? 
or where should I read my Bible? And, and so if you're doing, if you're trying to look at that, and you're trying to figure this out, it can be really hard. And, and I realize that a lot of people um, may not even be believers, and we'll address that in a second, but I still think that they should look at the Bible. So how, how do you study the Bible? How to study the Bible? And before we, we jump into this, there's a series about two years ago that we did, I think it was called uh, Long Story Short. And so if you go to our website, you're going to find, I think it's about five messages on this, where we go from Genesis to Revelation. We don't read every verse, obviously. Uh, but what we do is we look at the big overall picture. So we, we kind of fly up into space and look down at the Bible and, and see what it's all about. And so we're looking for major themes. And we talked about that. We have creation, chaos, covenant, Christ, church, and recreation. We have those things happening within Scripture. And I talk about each of those individually. So if you want to kind of have a little bit more background in this, you go to our website, cometoabc.com, and pull up those. You go click in messages, and if you click into there, you can go into the video or the audio and, and find those. So if you find those messages, it'll, it'll make a little bit more sense because what we see happening in the Bible is the idea of creation— God created everything, okay? Then we have chaos. We messed it up, all right? Then you have covenant. That's God's plan to restore things. So he comes to Abraham and says, hey, I've got a plan, and, and follow me, and I'll work this plan out in your life and in your children's life. And, and from the covenant comes Christ. So that's part of the covenant. That's why God created the covenant. Why there's even an Old Testament and a law is because he wanted to preserve his people so that Christ could come and so that all people could be blessed through Christ. So it's not just about the Israelites, not just about the Jewish people. It's also about you and I or anyone who's considered a Gentile, which is anyone who isn't Jewish. So we have Christ. Then we have the church. That's not just, it's, it's not a physical building. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about all the believers in God, everywhere. All the believers in Jesus Christ, that's the church. And the church has a mission to go out and to reach people who don't know Christ yet, to serve people, maybe even their enemies. And through the church, God does his work, and then he restores, starts to restore the kingdom of heaven. So we're not just waiting for heaven now. We get to actively participate in bringing little tiny bits of it here to earth. So that's why we come to church. That's why we have, you know, a food pantry. That's why we try to do as much as we can together. Even, that's why we even have fellowship together, because in heaven, we're going to get to hang out and have fun, too. So when you go bowling today and have pizza, that is just a little bit of fun that we're having that kind of points to the greater kingdom of heaven that Jesus is going to establish on earth. And then we have, that leads right into recreation, which is where God restores all things, so when we think of the gospel, the gospel isn't just for humanity. It is for the restoration of all of God's creation, like the rocks, <laughs> the clouds. All these things are going to be restored back to their original intention and recreated into what God wants them to be for all of eternity. So that's what we're looking forward to, and that's what a believer believes in when they look at Scripture. 
So even if you don't believe any of that, even if you, like, you're really skeptical, skeptical, you don't believe in the Bible at all, you think that this is just something that's, you know, been reworked over and over again, and it isn't even what it was originally intended to be, even if you believe that, I have five reasons I believe that you should still study the Scripture, why you should still look at the Bible. So even if you don't believe any of this, because realize this, everyone starts there or starts without the knowledge of it. So some of you, you don't remember a time where you didn't believe the Bible, but the only reason that is true is because your parents brought you into it. And so now you have a working knowledge of faith. So here are the five reasons I want to explain these a little bit. So it's the oldest library of books in existence. What are you talking about, Ben? When I look at this, how many of you just see one book here? You have I think it's 66 books in here. It is a library of books, okay? It is the oldest library of books in existence. So this is some of the earliest writings on earth that you can find, the Old Testament. When you're looking at that, these are some of the earliest historical documents as well. It's the oldest library of books. So if somebody said to you, hey, you have the chance to read the oldest book in existence, how many of you are like, that's kind of cool, I want to read that. It's important to look at it. Number two, it is the best-selling work of all time. How many of you occasionally read a bestseller out of New York? <laughs> you know, the, the New York list? It, just so you know, that's rigged a little bit because people buy their own books to try to get on that list. Nobody could buy enough of the Bibles to get on that list. It is the most printed. It is the most sold. It is even the most stolen book in all history, which I find hilarious. I want people to steal my Bible. All right, that'd be great. So it is, it is the best-selling work of all time. It's the most printed. People have died because they printed the Bible. People were being slaughtered because countries and nations and even different churches, I would say these were not operating as the church of God should operate, did not want you to have access to this. Today, you can still be arrested in different countries for having the Bible on you. You could be murdered because you have the scriptures with you. Why are people so afraid of this? Because it has the power to open your eyes to who Christ is, to who God is, and allow the Holy Spirit to do a work within you and change you for all of eternity. If that is true, which I believe it to be, if that is true, don't you think the enemy of you spiritually wants you to be very far from this. Yes. Now, in America, we do not have that problem. You have 15 Bibles in front of you probably right now, and you have a cell phone. You have access to uh, the YouVersion Bible app, which has like 100 different versions of the Bible on it. You have Bible everywhere, but a lot of the times you don't have any reading of it actually occurring. Even among believers, a lot of believers are not reading the scriptures. A lot of uh, people who grew up in church no longer read the scriptures. I know you're all different and you're reading it. Good, keep going. And I, I see you reading it. But you have people that don't believe it at all that aren't reading it. And you have people that do say they believe it and they're not reading it. So it's the word of God from our belief system, from my belief system, it is the word of God spoken to us so that we can have access to him and understand who he is, and we're not in it. So number three, it is the basis for our current civilization and has helped form many of our laws and sense of justice. 
before, I, I think in still a lot of court, uh, in front of the court buildings, there are the, the tablets with the Ten Commandments on it. Now, now, why is that so important? It's because a lot of our judicial system and laws were set up within the context and idea of those laws. And even our idea of what, you know, some of the kids were up here saying, be nice, you know, be kind, share, do these things. A lot of that idea comes from Scripture, and some of it even comes from Jesus. Because Jesus was the first one that said, hey, you know what we should do? Uh, when someone hits us, we should turn the other cheek and give them access to the other side. Jesus said that. And, and Jesus said, let's not take an eye for an eye. And Jesus said, even if you're not murdering your brother, if you hate him enough that you really kind of want to see him murdered, you're still sinning. So this is, this is the Christ that we serve. And it's very, it's very easy for us to just think of these things that are in our culture and in our civilization now as ordinary and normal, like hospitals. How many of you have gone to the hospital before? A lot of you work in them, right? Hospitals didn't exist before the church. You did not have what we think of as hospitals until Christians started creating them. Christ followers started serving people. And so then you have foundations. I, uh, oh, I should have put it on the screen. I didn't think about that. Uh, I, I got to take Aiden to get his, um, to get his feet checked out and his, his legs, and everything's fine. But I got to take him uh, to the, it was Riley, right? To the Riley uh, Hospital. And we walked into the center, and they have this, this area in the center of the building. And uh, it has these really creepy statues of, of like nuns with airplane hats on or something. I, like, I don't know what it was until I, I stopped. And I was like, hey, let's read this. And so I, I read it, and it said that these ladies, think of the, this is amazing. These ladies had, uh, I think it was $35.47 a uh, hundred years ago, over a hundred years ago. So 140 years ago, I think it was. And, uh, they looked around and said, you know what we need to do? We need to take care of the sick people in our area, and we have $35. And they bought this old seminary, this giant seminary building, for $35, which is kind of crazy to think of, too. You can't buy a building for $35 now. But they bought it, and then they had a donation from some other believers, and that guy donated $50. And with that, they started the hospital. Have you been there? It's huge now. And it started with what? This just little act of faith, this little act of actually living out the teachings of Jesus. And now people are being ministered to all the time. We don't think of it as ministry sometimes, but it is. It's a ministry. Those of you that are nurses and are taking care of people, that's a ministry. And the only reason we have this is because of the church and Jesus Christ. So you have a lot of people that want to attack Scripture and want to say, oh, the, the Bible's antiquated. We don't need that anymore. I'm like, well, so you want to get rid of all the hospitals. You want to get rid of all these medical treatments. You want to get... No, they don't want that. They just want to move away from Scripture. Maybe they don't even know what Scripture says, though. So... Uh, it is the basis for a current civilization and has helped form many of our laws and sense of justice. All right, next. It contains verified history. Okay, so that's actually four, and then you have five. This thing sometimes counts wrong. 
Uh, it contains verified history. There's a huge explosion of archaeology about 200 years ago, where you have artifacts, texts, the Dead Sea Scrolls. How many of you remember hearing about that? That used to be a big thing. Um, people would read about the Dead Sea Scrolls. You have a lot of uh, things that come to pass. We talked about the lost city, cities of Nineveh and how that was opened up, and we began to learn more and more about uh, culture. And, and a lot of times people would say, well, the Bible is just a fable. It's just kind of written by a few people, and uh, it, it doesn't really contain much of anything. It's a myth. Well, you go back and you start seeing some of this explosion of artifacts, texts, Dead Sea Scrolls, and all of them support what Scripture says. Now, it doesn't show miracles. I'm not saying that. What it does show is that the people were where they thought they were, according to Scripture, and that there are artifacts, pots, you know, different buildings, uh, city gates, exactly where Scripture said they would be when no one believed they were there. So you're seeing all of these things come out. And as more and more stuff is found, it's more and more verified, and people are actually looking to Scripture to go discover things. So it contains verified history. It contains a lot of, uh, it, it contains some of the oldest history that you can find, some of the earliest stuff that you can find, and it even claims to uh, have an account of creation, which would be the very beginning, right? And then number four, if you don't, oh, five, sorry, yeah, this, again, five, no, go back there, we're, we were there. Maybe you should know what you are saying you don't believe. This is, remember what my argument was, even if you don't believe in scripture, you should read it, right? You have a lot of people who say, I don't believe in the Bible. Have you read it? No. Then how do you know what you don't believe in? And you could say, well, they don't have any faith in it. And that's true. But here's the reality. You should understand what you're coming against before you come against it. Okay? And if you think of the Bible as a, a person, it's not a person, but let's just use this argument for a second. If you were against somebody that you never met and you had the opportunity to meet them and, and you found out that they were completely different than you thought they were, your mind would change. And in our world today, everyone wants to see everyone be non-judgmental, right? Don't judge people. Well, that's kind of a Christian idea to begin with. Jesus said that. Judge not lest you be judged, right? And they say, do not judge people. You don't know where they come from or what they've gone through or anything else. And yet we'll turn against Christians and we'll judge them immediately because they say they're believers. Do you see the hypocrisy in that statement? Do you see the hypocrisy in that statement? So maybe you should know what you are saying you don't believe in. So if it's the greatest work of all time as far as selling, if it is, uh, contains a lot of verified history, if it does all of these things, my argument is you should at least look at it, have an understanding of what it is, and know what it is saying. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to do that very briefly. So how did the Bible come to be? How did the Bible come to be? Well, we do not believe that it just miraculously appeared. That's not what happened with Scripture. Here's what the Bible is. The Bible is written by people, okay? So people wrote it down. People wrote it. Uh, tradition says that Moses took the time to write the oldest sections of Scripture that we read. So if you go into Genesis, 
Exodus, and all of that, like Moses wrote the majority of that. The oldest sections were written some 3,500 years ago. And uh, then you have different sections. You have the Tanakh, you have the Torah, the first uh, five, you have the Nebim, uh, the former prophets and the later prophets and all of these. And the Israelites, the Jewish people, grouped these spiritual texts together and said, this is not just a history of our people. This is uh, what God gave us to hold on to, to preserve. And this is what we're going to teach our children and our children's children. And, and so they held on to these, believing that the whole world would be blessed by them. And that's a large portion of what we know as the Old Testament. So they took these things and wrote them down. Well, how did the people know what to write? Like, Moses wasn't there at creation. How did he know what to write? Well, they were, uh, they did not have, believe it or not, they did not have Hulu in Moses' day. They did not have Facebook. They did not have any of this stuff. What they would do is they would, as they were traveling, and this is a lot of times walking, as they were working, they would sing songs about their history. They would share stories of their history to their kids. They would tell these stories over and over again. So Moses grew up within this culture hearing these stories and knowing these truths. And so it was shared. You say, well, well, you know, wouldn't they lose a lot in translation? Well, you can imagine if everyone was telling the same story all the time and it was shared all the time, they didn't really have books to read. They didn't really have TV to cloud their minds. They didn't really waste a whole lot of time. For entertainment, they told stories of their ancestors. So you have these things being passed on. And that's where Moses gets most of this. But you also have to remember that what we believe and what I believe as a Christian is not only did people write it, but number two, God inspired it. Okay, so, so here's what we're saying. is like, yes, people wrote it, completely normal people that were following God, but number two, God inspired it. So if God inspired it, then he preserved it as well. Like he's the one who's holding this together, and he's the one who's telling Moses what to say and what not to say. So we believe that um, even today, uh, you can... Listen to the Holy Spirit and do things. Now, I'm not saying that you can write scripture today. You're not going to go home and write a new book to the Bible. Don't try, please. And nobody bring me your New Testament that you wrote, okay? Uh, but if God speaks to us through his word, and that's what we believe, and then we also believe that when you become a believer in Jesus, the Holy Spirit guides you, prompts you, and leads you, then you can walk in the inspiration of God. And so we believe that God had a special inspiration for these people and a special purpose to do this. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, this is one of the scriptures we use to qualify that. It says, all scripture is inspired by who? God, and is useful to teach us what is what? True, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I love how it says our lives. <laughs> How many of you have ever read scripture before and you start thinking about what's wrong with everyone else's life? <laughs> like, boy, if I just had them in the room right now with me, I'd show them this verse. And they would get right with God. Now, first of all, we've got to take the plank out of our own eye, right? That's what scripture says. We, this, is, this is directed to you 
And then once you get yourself right, maybe they'll be convicted and see what is true. So what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, it corrects us when we are what? Which luckily none of you ever are. Um, and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and to equip his people to do what? Every good work. It's functional. This is a tool we're talking about. We're not just talking about head knowledge here. So it's supposed to move into our heart. Like we accept God's word. It moves into our heart. It begins to teach us what is true, what is right, what is wrong within us. We begin to deal with that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then God uses it for preparation to equip us to do the work that he has for us. God is calling us into his divine work. And that is incredible. Because I don't know about you, but I don't deserve that. I do not, I've been wrong so much that I don't deserve being called into his work. But he's doing it anyway. So God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So this is what scripture does for us. So when we say, hey, read the Bible as a believer, this is why we need to read the Bible, because we need to know what is true. How many of you know that truth has changed quite a few times in your lifetime? Some of, some of you that are older, you begin to realize more and more, like people always claim to say this is what is real, and then it changes every 10 to 15 years. Uh, that is not the way we're supposed to live our lives. We're supposed to base our lives, have a foundation of it based upon God's word. And so if we don't know the word of God, then we've built our house on sand. We're not basing it upon the teachings and principles of Jesus Christ. So Jesus tells us to build upon the rock. So the Bible and God's word gives us an authoritative voice as to who he is and what he wants us to do. So, so people wrote it, two, God inspired it, three, people discerned whether it was inspired. Well, what does that mean? It means you have a lot of other writings that are occurring during this time, but when you read them sometimes, you become very clear that this is not literally inspired by God. Maybe it's not part of Scripture. It could be a historical book, it could be something else, but it's not preserved the same way. It's not intended to be the same type of literature. And so people had to also discern whether it was inspired. So you have the people of, of Israel choosing the books that they read and seeing whether or not they believe that God inspired these. And when they read through them, uh, they can tell very clearly, like you can even have some access to some of these books that are outside of what we know as the canon. And if you look outside of the canon, you, it becomes very clear sometimes that these just don't quite fit. One of these things is not like the other. How many of you remember that game as kids? That's basically what happens. And then as time goes on, uh, people refer to themselves. Like they'll say, hey, what books do you read? These are the books that I read. Oh, th those are the same books that I read, because when I read those, I see how they line up and how they're together. And so that's how the canon um, was decided. We'll talk more about, about that later. Hebrews 4.12 says this about Scripture. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. How many of you have picked up the Bible before, hoping to be comforted, and read it and actually felt convicted instead? <laughs> Like, Lord, why do you got to do that to me? Like, I came to be, I, I thought I was right. 
I thought I would. They were, they were the ones that were bad. And then I, I read it and I go, whoa, okay. See, that's what scripture does to me. Uh, you know, that's what scripture's supposed to do to you. It's supposed to slice and dice and perform spiritual surgery on you, okay? It's precision. It's precision. How many of you have had a physical surgery before with a, a knife or with a... Like, I had... Mine is super minor, okay? Uh, I had a growth that was occurring, and I named it. And it was... <laughs> yeah, it was pretty gross. It was right here. Little Frankie. And uh, I went in, and, and they had somebody that, that couldn't sew very well cut me open. And it was just it's topical, but they were going to send it out and make sure that it wasn't anything. This is years ago when I was in college. And uh, so I was, I was quite gross at that point in my life. I've gotten so much better now. And uh, they, they just did some topical treatment on it, and they, they took... The, the knife or whatever you want to call it. I, I don't have the right terms. I'm not even going to try to say that. And they took the scalpel and they, they made like a quarter or half dollar size cut in the top of my skin so deep. And then they kind of cut in and pulled out and it had little Danielis. <laughs> and and they, they were like, hey, you don't have to look at this. We can put something up. I was like, no, I want to see this. Because like I said, I was gross. And they pulled it out, and I said, it's a boy. <laughs> and they just looked at me like, hey, you're very disturbed. Uh, and they sent it away. It was fine and everything. And they stitched me up, and it didn't heal very pretty. But I didn't care because it looks cool. It's a scar. So <laughs> this, this is what God does in our hearts, though if we take the word of God seriously. He goes in and he knows where the cancer is and he expertly cuts it out and throws it away. But if you never go to the doctor, the great physician, he can't do that for you. He's not going to barge into your life and rip the bad stuff out. The only way he's going to allow any of that to happen is if you come to him and if you say, God, I need you to cut this out of my life. Lord, I need you to change me in this way. If you're not willing to pray that prayer, he's not going to do that. Like some of you are nervous coming in here thinking that God is going to like tell everybody your worst sins <laughs> or that God is going to just blast you or hit you upside the head. He's not going to do that. What he does is say, here's what I offer, here's what I can do for your soul. I can heal you, but I'm not going to heal you unless you want that. Even Jesus said that, like, what, what do you want? And, and then he went to only heal people after they said what they wanted. So for some of you, like, you, you expect God to do this work, but you've never asked him to do that work. You've never given him permission to, to cut you, to heal you. Like, how, how could cutting you heal you? Well, this takes out the stuff that isn't supposed to be there. So scripture does that. It shows us, and the only way to really know what we need surgery with, spiritual surgery with, is to be in his word. So Hebrews 4.12 tells us that. So people discern whether it was inspired, and then number four, uh, God preserved it. 
There are over 6,000 early manuscript copies or portions of the Greek New Testament in existence today. And when we include the, lo uh, the Latin and the other earlier versions, we have 24,000 different copies. And when I say different copies, the vast majority, 99.999% of these, all match up. There may be one little word that's copied differently or, or another word added in there for clarification, but these are early manuscripts that line up. So sometimes people say, I don't trust the Bible because it's just, it's changed, it's not even what it originally started with. As we find earlier and earlier manuscripts, it lines up more and more with what we have, okay? So God preserved his word, but also this, God used people to preserve it. They wrote it down, they copied it. So we, we see that over and over again throughout Scripture. We see that there are, are different translations. We have different copies. And now we have thousands and thousands of translations, which people sometimes ask me, what translation should I read? And I say, yes. You should read some translation. Like, what translation helps you understand and read? Uh, there are different types of translations. There are dynamic translations. There are everything else. We use something called an NLT a lot of the times in Scripture in here. ESV is a great literal one. Uh, NLT is kind of a dynamic translation where they try to get the idea across. It's really good for teaching. NLT is really, uh, ESV is really good for word-by-word uh, -word study. There's a lot of different translations. But the truth of the matter is, most of it is exactly the same when you go through Scripture. And the truth is, whatever you understand is what you should be reading, because you should start somewhere, and that's what we really believe. And I did not get anywhere close to where I thought I would as far as uh, our time today. So maybe we're going to go next week. Who's ready for next week? All right. We're going to jump back into this, and uh, um, you can hold on to those notes, bring them back. I'm, I'm probably going to make some more, and we're going to change it a little bit as well. But we're going to look at types of literature and even how to read scriptures. When we're reading it, how should we view it? How should we look at it? But the main point today is we all need a surgeon. Amen? We all need the Word of God to correct us. And uh, here's the deal. The Bible is inspired by God and written by people that are completely human. And in, in some ways, it's similar to Jesus, because it is the Word of God. It's like God's chance to speak to us. It's the letters that he wants us to hold. And it is similar in the way that Jesus came to earth as a man, and he was fully God. So the Bible is 100% divine, and at the same time, it's 100% human in how it explains what's happening and how God involves us. I find it incredible that God uses failed people who sometimes have problems in their life. How many of you just find that to be amazing? Like, he uses people with egos that are too big. He uses people that, that sin. He uses, he uses all these people for his glory. And he says, hey, come on my team. Come on my team. That's what God wants to do for you every day. Come on my team. And then things begin to change. I'll, I'll make you better once you're on the team. I'll come in and do those surgeries that you need once you're on the team. The Lord is always welcoming us into his team.
to be a part of his kingdom. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that strengthens us. And, and I ask that you would uh, guide us and help us to understand it in a deeper way. Help us to love it. Because I know that when we meditate on the word of God, uh, you will build us up. That you help us live it out. It isn't something we're just supposed to know. It's supposed to be some, something we're supposed to live. Help us to do that. Lord, I pray that we would honor it. That we would respect it. Uh, but that we would realize that it's a way for you to communicate with us. It needs to be read. It needs to be studied so that we can try to live as close to it as we can. Help us to understand truth through the biblical worldview. Help us to try to understand truth as you see it. And help us to allow you to come into our hearts and do the work that only you can do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Let's stand.
Thank you so much. Oh, 